Hi everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Pop Academia. My name is, of course, Tori, and today we will be talking about Season 3, Episode 7 of the Fox show 911, Athena Begins. I found this episode endlessly fascinating and at the same time immensely upsetting. I couldn't stop thinking about it, and after days of tormenting my friends with it, I decided to do some research and sit down to discuss exactly what bothered me and what piqued my curiosity. Before I start, here's a few disclaimers that I need to make. Number one, I want to say this from the get-go, this video was inspired by my uneasiness with watching 911 in the first place, and my complete and fundamental disagreement with propaganda shows and what they portray as ethical, immoral, inspiration, you name it. The reason why I keep watching is because I think 911, before season 5, mostly does an actual decent job at talking about the role of the police, and I'm curious to see how they will continue to deal with it. I educated myself a lot on the matter of the funding of the police in my own time through books, literature, so I'm not getting my morals from 911. Number two is that I'm not an expert in the topics I will discuss. I'm just a really curious person. That's why I will be referencing papers that I've read to prepare for this, and I'll make sure to post a link, and I will let you know at the end of the episode where you can find the list of references. There is also no clear solution to this immense ethical debate that can be found in a 20-minute conversation about the show 911. So these are simply my opinions and my thoughts. Okay, now that that's all out of the way, let's begin. This is Pop Academia Episode 1, Athena Begins, Rehabilitation, Retribution and Restoration. For those who haven't seen the show, here is a brief recap. The episode focuses on Athena Nash, Nay Carter. In the late 80s, she decides to become a police officer and change the system from inside. She's partially inspired by Emmett, himself a police officer, who then becomes her fiancé. Shortly after their engagement, Emmett tragically dies while running an errand for Athena. He gets shot buying milk. For 30 years, no one knows anything about the killer until one day the gun used to kill Emmett is found. Quickly after, so is the killer. His name is Dennis Jenkins. At the time of the murder, 1991, Dennis was addicted to drugs and on the night of the murder he was robbing a corner store to find money to get his next fix. Emmett happened to be there and was tragically and fatally shot. Back in our time, once Dennis is found as a shooter, Athena goes to confront him and discover that the knight encouraged him to get clean and find a new life for himself. For the past 30 years, he's dedicated his time to helping at-risk kids stay out of troubles. Arguably, he's been preventing kids from making his same mistakes. The lifetime of achievements, however, is not enough. Athena wants to find peace, so she arrests him and brings him to the station where they are met by all the officers feeling quite chuffed with themselves. Justice has been achieved. The bad guy will be punished for what he's done. Right, okay, but is he still the bad guy? And more importantly, is this the purpose of justice? Is it vengeance? Is it punishment? Well, one may argue that yes, that is exactly it. Dennis Jenkins committed a horrible crime that destroyed his victim's community and changed their lives forever. Now he has to pay for it. But I argue that there is no reason for him to have to do that. He is no longer a danger to society, and actually, he has made it his mission to make sure his kids won't perpetrate the same trauma he contributed to while he was addicted to drugs. A quick, but not not important, side note. 
I'm not going to get into the harm that was caused by the war on drugs in America that is still raging on, because that will be a whole other video and I am not qualified to do that. But keep in mind that Dennis Jenkins was a black young man in a country that did not want him to succeed. In a city where men like him were being targeted by law enforcement, and at a time where nothing was done to change that. But let's get back to the episode, let's get back to Dennis Jenkins and his imprisonment. Now, of course, I'm not arguing for murder. Murder is bad, and yes, you can quote me on this. And to an extent, I understand that both the show and the context in which the episodes are presented operate in a real-life system by which criminals are taken to prison. This is, of course, a simpler version of what actually should happen in real life. However, unlike what the directing choice and the writing want us to believe, I remain unconvinced that the arrest of this character is such a huge win for justice. In fact, this episode, I think, sheds a light on a debate that feels incredibly important, the debate between rehabilitation, retribution and restoration. Up until this very moment, 911 has established that punishment is not always necessary. Actually, rehabilitation is sought after. What do I mean by rehabilitation, restoration and punishment? From the 70s on, the US switched from a rehabilitation model to a punitive justice system due to common feelings that there was no saving criminals. This meant that prisons stopped being seen as places where the offender could be rehabilitated in order to eventually be reintegrated in society. Instead, they became warehouses where the offenders would be confined to with the sole purpose of keeping them away from society. The conditions in which most inmates are kept are completely inhumane and this dehumanization of both the prisons and the prisoners becomes an integral aspect of the punishment for the sake of retribution, that is, for the sake of punishment itself. Within this framework, the suffering that the offender is subjected to is morally justified by the suffering that they caused. Now I like many other much better spoken scholars and philosophers before me, argue that punishment and ostracization from society cannot be the only solutions or goals to criminality. Instead, we should aim for systems based on rehabilitation and or restoration. First, let's focus on rehabilitation. Rehabilitation is motivated by a belief in the worth and dignity of every person and it aims at rehabilitating the criminal, not just to prevent him from doing any further harm, but for their own good too. On the other hand, restorative justice doesn't see punishment for the crime as the end objective of the justice process. Instead, while the trial and conviction may be part of the restoration process, this approach focuses on repairing the wrong that the criminal has done upon their community and their victims. This is because restorative justice doesn't see the crime as a violation of rules, but as the violation of the victim and the community. Restorative justice advocates believe that there is a way to end the suffering of the victim without adding to the suffering of the perpetrator. Restorative justice aims to empower the victim and make them an important actor within the justice process. It aims, through victim-offender mediation programs, at a constructive dialogue between victims, offenders and their communities, seeking to identify responsibilities and obligations, to meet needs and promote healing and dignity. The reason why I bring up the matter of restorative justice 
is that Athena has a very unique position of being the protagonist of the show as well as the victim of the crime. Her finding peace is crucial to the development of the story. It is actually the main driver of the story, so please bear this in mind for later. Now, although I personally advocate for rehabilitation and restoration, my philosophical and political stance doesn't really matter here. It's the show's stance that matters. So far, 911 has operated under some form of restorative and rehabilitative ethical system, without, of course, naming it as such. This is true at least for bigger plotlines and the cases that concern our protagonist. This is true at least for the bigger plotlines and for the cases that concern our protagonist. So for a moment, I'm going to set aside the standalone episodes and cases. There is actually a particular storyline that concerns Athena's husband, firefighter Captain Bobby Nash, that I will be referencing to as a case study and as an example of how bigger conversation around justice and guilt and accountability have been dealt with in 911. In season one, Bobby reveals that he's been self-flagellating for years because, as an alcoholic, he accidentally set fire to a building that ended up killing 148 people, including his wife and his two kids. The reason why I bring this up is because the treatment he gets will inform my analysis of the material in Athena Begins. He is immediately forgiven by everyone, his friends and the priests he talks to. In fact, he is allowed the consequences that I believe everyone should be granted. He is held accountable for his action, but ultimately his sobriety journey is enough to absolve him of his crimes, provided he doesn't fall into the same mistakes again. Okay, now we have all of the background we need to get into the two main points of the video. The matter of intent and the role of the victim. So let's start with the matter of intent. When I first approached the idea for this episode, for this, you know, conversation, I thought a lot about what could be a clear reason why Athena doesn't grant Dennis Jenkins the same forgiveness that the show grants Bobby. The first thing that came to mind was intent. While Bobby causes an accident without meaning any harm, Dennis Jenkins left his motel room that night with a gun looking for money to make through a robbery. The harmful intent here is obvious, I can't deny that. While Bobby ends up punishing himself for something that is very technically outside of his control, the building didn't have the proper fire rescue systems in place, once a fire starts there is very little you can do, and plus the people killed by the fire were not directly killed by Bobby. Dennis Jenkins had control over the situation. He had agency, and he made a choice that resulted in harm. I would argue, however, that these men have something in common. Both of them have very little control over a disease that ends up ruining both of their life, and I feel like this is very important. They both deal with an addiction. Bobby is a self-defined, selfish man who thought he could take control over his addiction by himself, and instead he ended up having to look for help after unwillingly and this is also very important to me, causing the death of 148 people. His alcoholism is treated as a horrible condition that morphs him into something he's not. And he struggles with this notion for most of the show, this idea that he did do something horrible because he did lose control of himself. But because he is sorry, and because he didn't mean it, he is forgiven. He is redeemed, rehabilitated thanks to his commitment towards recovery. 
The harm he has placed on society is lessened because of his activity in the fire department, and most importantly, because his sobriety allows him to become the good and considerate person he always was. This is partly because it is agreed by the narrative that his intent was unfouled and that alcohol played an important part in the way that the events unfold. In fact, he didn't set up the fire himself, he just left something unsupervised, which then ended up starting a fire. Now, I want to highlight something here. I, of course, understand that shooting someone and leaving a heating system unsupervised are ends away. What matters to me, however, is the time that passes between when the crime, in the case of Dennis Jenkins, and accident, in the case of Bobby, happened, and the time when the show picks up that storyline. So please bear this in mind as I go on with this explanation, this sort of essay that I have. Because Dennis Jenkins does not get the privilege that Bobby gets, despite the fact that drug addiction is very much an addiction too, and that he admits that the night of the shooting he was so high that he only realized he'd killed the man upon waking up four days later in a hospital with no recollection of what had happened. Sure, as I mentioned here, again, the issue is that when he committed the crime, he had the intention of a committing a crime that puts him in a different position than Bobby. He didn't want to kill someone, but he wanted to rob somewhere. But he wasn't even sober enough to remember that happening. It can be assumed then that when he made the decision of going out to rob a corner store, he probably didn't have the mental faculty to totally understand the decision he was making. Addiction can affect the decision-making abilities so that the person becomes more likely to be influenced by desires, urges, cravings, although they may regret that later. It is clear by the end of the episode, when the big reveals happen, that Dennis was a victim of the circumstances too. When he decides to not turn himself in and instead change his life, he is effectively repairing the damage that he did on the community and making sure that if there were kids like him that could follow into the trap of drugs, they'd have an adult figure that could show them a healthier alternative. Now again, and I cannot stress this enough, I'm not saying that Dennis didn't commit a crime that resulted in a lot of people being hurt and a man losing his life. He absolutely did. But for the sake of this argument, we could say that his harmful intent was probably driven by the drugs and the way that they affect the person's morals and values. Up until this point, addiction and her recovery have been enough for rehabilitation in the show. Again, please remember, I'm talking about the show and how it's dealt with stories like these up until this point. So why isn't Dennis allowed rehabilitation? Maybe. It's because she, who brings justice and law, is the victim as well. Which brings me then to my next point, the role of the victim. So here's the question again. Why is Jenkins different? Narratively, of course, this is because Jenkins is the antagonist. Bobby is a protagonist, and Athena is the protagonist. I understand that, and I know that. Unlike the victims of the fire, Athena has the great advantage of being the main character in the show. 
If we refer back to what we said at the beginning about restorative justice, I see how the whole premise of this conversation may fall flat, because the main purpose of restorative justice is to restore the relationship between the victim and the offenders. Whilst we are never given the chance to hear from those who lost it all in the fire, the victim of Dennis Jenkins' crime has to be heard and she does not want to be part of the restoration process, which is, by the way, a respectable and understandable position. Would any of us be a paladin of impartial justice if it came down to facing a tragedy that has shaped our lives forever? Probably not. But then again, should the victim of a crime be the person who judges the perpetrator of said crime? From an academic point of view, from a practical point of view, from a societal point of view, and from a personal point of view, I suppose the answer seems to be no. Impartiality is essential to every justice system. I could highlight some references, but really this is the backbone of a fair justice system everywhere. Now, in the real world, impartiality is hard to achieve, and that is partly why I believe most systems need to be thought of again, because right now they benefit only a very small portion of the population. But this is very much beyond the point that I'm trying to make, because this isn't real life and I'm not a scholar of the law. I'm just a media fan, and this is a video about 911, a show that presents itself as a challenger of the status quo. And Athena Grant is, by her own definition, the person that intends to challenge the unjust system. Another disclaimer here, probably, that I should have made. I have nothing against the character of Athena Grant. I love her. I find her to be really well written. Angela Bassett is absolutely fantastic in what she does. I find her character, her presence in the show to be really interesting to add a perspective that other propaganda shows don't provide. So that is not what I intend to do with this episode. This is not me pointing out that Athena is wrong or whatever. That's not it. This is just an argument against the episode itself, the way it's written and the way that it's framed. Because Athena should not have been involved with the case, the same way that none of the victims of the cases committed by our other darlings were ever involved in deciding whether or not they were worthy of a second chance. I'll allow you this. Regarding Athena's role as both representation of loss and justice, there is also another counter-argument. Athena is a police officer and not the judge, so technically the final choice is not up to her. Yes, that is correct, but the trial is never shown and the case is never again addressed. Story is contained within the episode Athena Begins. Athena is the focal point of the story. It is significant that she chooses to go against direct orders and pursue the case even when she's not supposed to. She is on paper reprimanded for that, but the writing choices, the directing choices, they all imply that the characters and that the show applauds her for taking the matter in their own hands. In other words, her heroism lies in her choice to bring justice to herself in the way that she seems fit and appropriate as someone who believes very deeply in the police system. The show takes a very different approach to justice elsewhere. Again, I use the example of Bobby Nash. He started a fire that killed 148 people, and we bestow upon him forgiveness. That is us, the audience, his friends, 
his colleagues, his partner, Athena Grant, and the force. The victims of that mistake, as it often is described, are never questioned. They are never asked, hey, do you think Bobby should go to jail? The answer would probably be yes, but the authorities, together with those who are close to Bobby, agreed that that is an exercise of justice that would ultimately benefit no one. Unlike Athena, Bobby's victims are never heard or taken into consideration in the forgiveness equation, because what matters for the show is self-forgiveness and acceptance by the current community. And just like Bobby, Dennis Jenkins has shown that he has contributed enough to the community to be granted freedom. His imprisonment would probably do more harm because of the kids in his care that would suddenly no longer have that figure in their lives. Okay, so we got to the final point. So what? Okay, great. My points have been put across and I hear you. Essentially, why did I want to sit down and talk about this? Well, I said in the beginning that I felt the need to discuss what upset me about the episode and what piqued my curiosity. I guess now that I have laid out all my arguments, what left me unsatisfied about the episode is that in the end, I was left wondering, who is benefiting from Jenkins being arrested in front of the whole police force? Why are we led to believe at the end of the episode that everything about this storyline is not resolved? Don't get me wrong, I liked that Athena got her answer. I liked that Annette's mom could finally know what happened to her son. I cried, I cried so much. But I kept thinking that there was gonna be more to the episode. I was convinced until the very end that the big twist was going to be that Athena, as the visionary that she is, the breaker of the norm, the spokesperson of the police force that is not how we know it, whether this is possible or not, I'll keep it to myself, was going to change her mind and testify for Dennis Jenkins because maybe that's what Emmett would have wanted. Maybe that's what she would have wanted. Maybe she's learned in her years in the force that there is justice to be found in self-forgiveness, which is what Dennis granted himself when he decided to give himself a second chance. He didn't just go for self-forgiveness, he actually made a whole new life for himself. He decided autonomously, independently, to get clean, an arduous, arduous, painful job, and to put that effort into helping kids who could commit the same mistakes, into actually making sure that the community is not harmed any further by drugs and crimes. Instead, the episode quickly reminds us that no matter how progressive propaganda shows try to be, no matter how much they explore the themes of addiction and inequality, they still operate within the same broken systems that would always choose punishment over healing. If you've made it so far, thank you so much for listening. I've been Tori and this has been Pop Academia. This episode we talked about 911 and the episode Athena Begin. I really want to know your thoughts. I want to know if you think I'm just way over my head, if this is so far-fetched as an argument you don't even know where I got it from, or if this is something that bothered you too when you watched the show. I'm really, really interested. Again, I want to point out I'm not an expert. I don't judge the characters because they're character, because to me, characters are just a vehicle towards which we can explore things about life and about the world in a way that is contained and in a place that is safe for us to do so. But I am curious to find out, you know, 
Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know. I am on Tumblr at Torizata. That is T-O-R-I-Z-A-T-A. I think so. For my, for the sake of my mental health, I will not have Anons on. And that will be also the only social media where you will find me. This has been a pleasure and I'm hoping to be here again very, very soon. Hi, this is Post Recording Tori. The reference list can be found on my Tumblr at Tori Zeta. Um, I will just link a PDF file of the reference list if you can find it there and hopefully that works. If any of you has any other idea of how I can share that that you think may be smarter, please let me know. Thank you again so much. I hope you have a lovely day, evening, night, wherever you are in the world.